1: Hello, everyone. I'm Molly Nirnhausen. I'm currently the VP of International Distribution at the Solution Entertainment Group, which is based in Los Angeles. We're a production, finance, and international sales company for feature films. Uh, you will you will have seen Killer Man starring Liam Hemsworth and Line of Duty starring Aaron Eckhart, uh, which are now also available on iTunes, Amazon, Amazon. Um, any streaming um, that's available, and currently I'm working on Love Capri. It's my first script that I've written, and I'm looking to direct it within hopefully in the next year, year and a half. Our production schedule has changed because of what's been going on um, around the world with COVID nineteen, and of course I want to shoot this on in Capri, Italy. And Italy was the hardest hit with this with this virus. So um, I don't know what else to say. Sorry.
0: You don't need to say anything else, <laughs> Molly. <laughs> Molly Nurnhausen, welcome to the Make It podcast.
1: Thank you. I'm glad to be here.
0: Yeah, we're so glad to have you. And um, our relationship goes back a little bit. Um, back. Uh, um, it seems like. Uh, longer than it really has been actually. Um, but
1: (laughs) it's been, it's been less than a year.
0: Right. Right. But
1: but I did get to actually, um, meet with you a couple of times when you come out to Los Angeles.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And, and we just, we, we have such a good time and, uh, are able to share so much of our lives with each other as, as we sort of meet that I think, uh, it, it feels longer than even that. So, Um, I know we've talked about this before, but here you are finally, and uh, I'm super excited to be having this conversation with you. Um, I want to start with just giving you some props. Um, You have 18 credits, according to IMDb, and um, uh, to your name and films that everybody will know. Uh, Your box office, uh, in terms of films you've worked on, is just under $85 so that is a, a huge um, amount and, and something to certainly be be proud of. Um, you started. Wow, I
1: didn't I didn't know that.
0: <laughs> our crack. That's our, great. Our crack research team of one here, and uh, I want to start with um, I want to start with with your first work in in the industry and then circle back to some of your background and your childhood as we go through and, and what that, you know, and how that's affected you uh, in your storytelling and in your work and, and passions today. But I want to start with, with the Yari film group, which uh, has had its ups and downs, but it had serious ups early on with crash, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. And it uh, won film of the year and many, many other titles, um, that people would know. Uh, I'm curious, how did you land the job at, uh, Yari?
1: Well, actually my first forway, foray into, uh, the industry was with a company called Franchise Pictures. Now that's the company that, uh, did the David Mamet heist movie, 3000 mm-hmm. miles to Graceland. Uh, so, so I came in and I came in, um, from the news industry. So I was a news producer, um, in the Midwest. And I just thought that's way too much reality for me. I'm going to go to California and try to work in movies. Now, when you're in the movie industry or when you're in the news industry, um, you have to start as an intern when you're, when you're in college. So, so my thought process was I was going to come out uh, and try to see if I can get an internship at a particular company. Well, I was very fortunate in the fact that the place, the first place that I applied to was Franchise Pictures. It was basically two companies that were going to be forming one company called Franchise, and uh, it was about ready to just get really big. And I went in to be an intern, but the person that was on the main the owners are the the main guy's desk, the main, um, the owner, uh, his assistant was out. And so they basically threw me on his desk the first day I went in to intern and I was hired the same day. So that, and this is right when it was about ready to become this movie powerhouse. And so, and so I, I was, that was luck Um, But that was also me being willing to do whatever I needed to do once I got that internship to do whatever and not be scared about it, you know, because running a desk for a very powerful guy is very scary, you know. But then again, I had already been producing news in the Midwest. So um, because I was willing to do that and think on my feet really quickly, uh, I, I I was able to be hired that day. Um, and that was really my entry into, because the person I worked for was willing to let me move out of, out of, um, the position within six months, I then was able to pick where I wanted to go. So then I said, well, I would like to work in the, uh, creative department. And so he let me do that. And then I said, okay, now that I know what kind of movies we're making, how are movies made? And this is the biggest thing that I would probably say to any, any filmmaker out there. You don't have to want to be in the business side of this industry because right now that's what I'm representing is the business side of the industry, but you have to know something about it. And so I realized that we can be as creative as possible, but if I don't know how to get a movie made, what's the use? So I then went to my boss and I said, I would like to work in the finance department, and that's and finance and international distribution go hand in hand. Um, that's how we're able to finance movies. At least that was the traditional financing back then. Mm-hmm. And so he said, "Great." And so I ended up working in the finance department for a year, um, financing big, big multi million dollar movies. And then I went to him again a year later, and I said. Um, now that I know how we're financing the movies, I now want to be on set so I can actually see how these movies are made. And so he sent me to Canada for a year. So I was able to work on 3000 miles to Graceland. Uh, I worked on driven in Toronto. And then, um, I also then, uh, worked on the heist with David Mamet, who's brilliant. So, so I was fortunate that I was in that type of company that had that much growth that fast, and that I had a boss that allowed me to move around and 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 to actually be curious and want to know what's going on in these three, in these different departments has really helped um, helped a lot. Um, and so then from there, then then um, Yari Film Group. Um, came on, came on the scene. And then I, um, I knew the head of international, who's uh, the woman I'm still working with now, um, the head of international. And so I, I got a job with her and uh, I went over to Yari. Um, And then we were doing international and film financing. And then, you know, then I left and then I came back um, where I was the production and finance person because I can straddle those two sides. I can straddle production and I can straddle, straddle finance.
0: Uh, we have so uh, interesting in, in the, uh, of a path you took, uh, we have this in common, you know, I went to college, um, for journalism. I'm a, I'm a journalism major and I switched over from being a music major because I woke up and had an epiphany one day that said all my heroes didn't even go to college. So why am I majoring in music? <laughs> and, um, But it's quite a jump. And I made that jump myself, but I'm curious, what was it that happened back in the Midwest when you were a news producer that said, okay, I want to be in storytelling. I want to be in film instead of being in news.
1: Well, back then, and also even now, you know, it's always the disaster that gets the news. I mean, sometimes they will do a feel good story, but anytime I was talking to anybody, it had to do with, you know, who was shot, who was killed, um, what scandal is happening, you know? Um, and, and that's not where I wanted to concentrate my energy. Um, and I was actually on a desk on a weekend one day, one time, and, um, there was a bad accident and, you know, the, the questions you have, because you have limited reporters and you have limited um, limited crew, you know, the questions I then had to ask was, were, um, is there anybody dead? Is there, is a, is a, is a, is there a child involved? Um, how many cars? You know, and it was just so automatic at that time that I just, the next day, I just said, I can't do it. Um, because I wasn't thinking in terms of of human life, I was now thinking in terms of just getting the story, which is you know not something that I create. It's just something that exists, that, that happens in this world, and now it's up to me to be an observer and cover it. And it's usually people that are just not at their best at that time. So I just didn't want to do that, and I wanted to bring more joy into the world, and more more. I wanted to I wanted to deal in entertainment and not entertainment as news or news as entertainment.
0: Got it. Had, had you had a, sort of a past where you had storytelling in your heart, or you had maybe seen movies in your mind and wanted to explore that? Or was it just you woke up one day and said, I don't want to do this, what can I do?
1: Well, so we didn't. I didn't go out to movies that much growing up. But I do have to admit that I love Dirty Dancing. <laughs> it's my it's my secret it's my secret movie that I just love. And Patrick Swayze, you know, Be Still My Heart. And um, I felt good. And that was the one of the movies that I went to in the theater. probably, probably five. Six times, Um, you know, and of course I was getting a lot, you know, I just, I I didn't have a lot of money, but I was still going and I just love the feeling. And to this day, I I am definitely a movie theater goer. Um, I am excited every time I sit my butt in that seat and I'm excited for the movie that's coming on. Um, And I haven't lost it all all this time Um, because good stories transport you um, they can explain or they can help you express what you're feeling if you don't know how to express it yourself. or you can see, even if it's a story and it's not true, you can see somebody that maybe is going through the same thing that you're going through. And so I just found that every movie that I was watching, or I just I just enjoyed them so much.
0: Yeah, it, it, there's something about it. I, I believe my sister went to the theater and watched Dirty Dancing at least five times herself. I think it was just if you grew up in that era, that movie caught you, and there just wasn't anything like it. Um, I think I saw Purple Rain in the theater nine times, <laughs> which would be which would be my my 1980s uh, guilty pleasure as well. Uh, <laughs> it, it's still to this day. My favorite movie, uh, is princess bride. So, uh, oh, it's, it's, lo- it's hard to beat yes. it.
1: Love, love, love princess bride. One of my favorites. Absolutely. You know, and yeah. I also loved seeing, you know, star Wars, you know, I remember there were drive-in theaters, um, and I went with my family and we are all sitting there watching the same thing. And, you know, we're all marveling at, 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 this movie, you know? So I just, there's so much power in storytelling and in movies.
0: Yep, Could not agree. Could not agree more. And I think that's why we're both in it and we both love it. And and the goal is to tell these great stories because they can have such an amazing impact. I mean, even to this day, Carrie Owls, who was Wesley in the Princess Bride tours, uh, playhouses across the world and just has a one man show where he talks about the princess bride. So that's the power of a really great, uh, piece of, uh, storytelling. Um, and so going from franchise to the Yari group and learning under a couple of pretty amazing sounds like mentors, whether it be Bob Yari or, um, do you mind sharing your boss's name from franchise? Oh,
1: Lisa Wilson.
0: Lisa Wilson. And then you're still working with Lisa now, right?
1: Yes, um, I am. I mean, she is an incredible mentor. Um, she is somebody that uh, has been, she's a 40-plus year veteran of this industry. And she's, you know, she's seen it all because she's seen the difference when, you know, there was just theatrical, and then, then there was video, then now the collapsing windows. And the thing is, is that she's so she's so strong because she has maintained these amazing distributed relationships all these years later, you know? And um, she also has a very particular um, story that she wants to tell. And, you know, she's not going to just say yes to something just to say yes to it. Um, There's a reason why she picks certain projects. And, um, you know, I've definitely learned from her. And she's the only person that I actually said... If you decide that you're going to start your own company, then I will come and I will work for you.
0: Yeah, I I think that's fantastic, and we're going to talk a little bit more about some of the effects and and um, upsides of working with someone like Lisa here in, in in a moment. But I'm curious with the two those two sort of first stints in the the industry, um, how did those experiences? You talked about being on set uh, with David Mamet and, uh, being, uh, on set with three, 3000 miles to Graceland. Um, how did those experiences prepare you for your career?
1: Well, I was the assistant to, um, Don Carmody, who is, who is a, um, powerhouse producer up in Canada. Cause we were shooting them in Canada and, um, I just was able to just, learn, basically see how a set is run, you know? Um, and what, what was nice is we had uh, money to do it. You know, sometimes a lot of, a lot, a lot of people start with very small budgets and, um, you know, they don't see what a full grip department is or what a full, um, art, art department is, you know? Um, and so I worked with, you know, one of the top producers in Canada. And so I also learned from him, you know, um, what to, what to agree to, what not to agree to. Um, and just the functioning of what a, an actual set is and what people do want to set is important to know, yeah. you know
0: that you talked about understanding, learning what to agree to and not to agree to. Uh, and I'm curious, what beliefs did you have about the film industry that were disproven once you began working closely on sets and, and for franchise and yari? Um, like were there any established beliefs you had that were completely completely turned on their ear once you actually started putting
1: no, no, there feet were on the not- ground? Yeah, no, there were no established beliefs because um, I was just open. And that's the thing is when I go into something that I don't know, I just open my mind and I'm ready to kind of believe and I'm just open to be a sponge, you know, so I didn't say, oh, I think that, you know, that being a line producer is better than being this or, you know, um Craft service has to be this. Oh no! One thing I did really learn is that food on a set is incredibly important for morale of your of your crew. It doesn't matter if you're it doesn't matter if you're a low budget movie or if you're a high budget movie. Um, yes, food is very important. You don't feed your crew people correctly, you will have a revolt. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think that's I think that's true, and, and the other thing I'll say about that too, uh, because you know, Bonza's focus is independent film, and we've been on a lot of independent sets. And I will say, uh, you know, when you're on a shoestring budget, um, I think everybody's okay with crafty that you, the crafty that you have. As long as they were told up front what it's going to be, you know, if you surprise them with crappy food or lack of food, then suddenly, like you said, you have a revolt. But if you come together, bring the whole crew and cast together and say, look, we're making this movie for this amount of money. This is what we're going to have to do. Is that cool with everybody? And now everybody's unified by the idea that they're pulling something off, right?
1: Right. And pizza should not be the go-to because, because it's the the independent um, um, place that we're talking about. People should not go to pizza right away. I'll tell you, I did. um, I learned a lot. I produced a movie um, for a very, you know, under a hundred thousand, very, very low budget movie. Um, But we had two to three Italian cooks cooking our, our meals and our meals were fantastic no pizza amongst amongst it it was you know it was it, it was really we, we brought them in but one of the other, other producers was italian um and so we were in los angeles and we had fantastic food yeah and it, it, yeah sorry sorry and that and part of what i experienced on the bigger movies actually informed our decision to do that
0: right It's it's a brilliant move um on the uh, set of adult interference we had uh Actually, Ted Welch's mother, who's a great cook, making and sister, I believe, making all the food for the cast. So instead of getting a bunch of ordered stuff, like you said, they were getting homemade meals, you know, two times a day. And it was amazing. People loved mealtime, people loved the chance to eat. And she was making such uh, great dishes, and they were rich dishes too. So you could eat once and feel good about being full the whole day. It actually made it more special uh, for everyone. And um, our LA shoots, I don't think had that. And so I think people loved shooting in Nashville because they were going to get those home homemade meals. Um, It's it, and it saved money on top of that, Molly. So it was, it was great.
1: It saves, it saves money. I mean, we have to, you have to think we were getting homemade pasta and, and veggies and, you know, um, so many homemade dishes, but remember it's not, it's not an expense um, because these people are working 12 to 14 to 15 hour days. You want to feed them well because they need energy. Yes. They need to actually, you know, because you hear so many people complain about, oh, the food, we have to, you know, just give them a couple sandwiches and, and, and some potato chips or so on. That's not really the way you should do it. You have to think about them as these are people that actually have to maintain their stamina for 12 to 15 hours. Exactly. Um, and you want to make sure that they have the best fuel to do it with.
0: That's a great point. It made me think because you were saying that you you really didn't have, uh, you were you were an open book. You were learning and didn't have any misconceptions. But you've also lived on both sides of it. You know, you've done low budget independent films. You've done films that cost sixty million dollars. Um, what would you say then if i if I reformed the same question back at you but but positioned it this way what would you say independent filmmakers and creatives tend to believe that just is inaccurate or or just isn't um the best way to go outside of what you just mentioned around uh crafty if, if there's is there anything that comes to mind that they just misunderstand or or, or should not believe in
1: well I think that the reality is, is that you never have enough money. So, so, you know, a lot of people think, oh, well, I'm going to make this movie for a hundred thousand. But if I had a million dollars, then I, then, then I would have everything and it would be fantastic. But at a million dollars, everything levels up you know, now you may start getting unions involved. You may um, have to pay your actress or actor $200,000 more than what you would have paid them if there was, if it was a hundred thousand dollar film, you know? Um, so, so the reality is, is no matter how much money you're making your, your movie for, you don't really ever have enough money <laughs> to make the movie, <laughs> you know, which is, which sounds crazy, but I mean, you know, you just end up having, you know, bigger unions and, and pay people more and, and everything else. But, um, yeah. So I, I think that's something, um, um, I can't, I'm not sure, you know, you, you just kind of get better. I wouldn't say better craftspeople because then unions come involved, but you get people that have done, done the job for a while. Mm-hmm. And, and, and what you get, as you go up in budget, is speed. A lot of times you get speed. Um, I just actually did, now that I think about it, I just actually did like a, a one-day shoot where we ended up having um, some really experienced guys in the grip and electric department. And the speed in which they could build a tent, build, um, build the lights, build the thing, was so incredibly different than if it was, you know, um, interns or, um, people that just started in the business because they, they know how to, they have their teams and they know how to build and they know how to break things down. Um, so I don't know if that's getting closer to what you, what you
0: No, that's wonderful. It's, and it's such a great point. It is, it is a really, um, both of those are really important, uh, things to focus on if you're considering making an independent film. And, you know, we talk about how to write the budgets all the time. And I think a lot of times the templates come right out of film school or right off the internet. And that's why you don't see line items for branding and marketing. And you don't see line items that are sufficient enough for contingency. And uh, a lot of independent films, uh, you know, maybe it's a money thing, Uh, Most likely it is, but you also don't see line items for uh, bonding the film, which, which will, you know, if you want to get an investor, that's a, that's a, in the film, that's a really good way to do it because you want to make sure that if the film doesn't get made for whatever reason, uh, because you do have, let's say a lack of experience there, then your investors are taken care of through that bond. and, And so um, it's just good due diligence and, and definitely a couple of great things to bring up. Um, you have, uh, you mentioned your, your mentor in this Lisa Wilson and, and how she's brought you along from the beginning. Um, I'm curious, you know, what are the two best pieces of advice you've received in your career so far and, uh, who did they come from?
1: Well, one was from Lisa and I actually had mentioned it, which is. You know that relationships matter. She's able to see it not from just um, a finance um, production company's um, point of view, but she's also able to see it from the distributor's point of view, and that matters because some some international um, companies don't aren't like that. It's just all about, you know, selling the film, getting the money in, paying off the loan if you do a traditional a, a traditional financing um, route, um, where, you know, she's had distributors that have been with her for, for years and years and years, um, and I learned that because she can make a call, and she can do something that nobody else can, and, and move a distributor on something, or um, ask for a favor, or we'll do a favor for them, um, so that then goes into everything that you do, um, especially when you're starting out is that relationships matter. Um, and, and I know that you, that it seems like a cliche conversation, but the person that you treated like crap on your first film, it may be the head of a studio in five years and they're going to remember. So don't do it. Be right. You know, so, 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 you know, try to, you're not going to always get along with everybody at all, all times, but, um, but if you are actually, um, a respectful, if you're respectful to them, you know, hopefully they'll be respectful back to you. Sometimes they aren't, but at least you took the high ground, um, because those relationships you don't know. I mean, I ended up doing in the same low budget movie that, um, that I, I did um, not recently, it was a while ago, but we almost had no money for post. We had no money for post. It, it was it was the thing that you should never do. but we kind of just didn't have the money. And the way we were able to get the movie posted and out is because we then had had um, producers that had relationships with amazing post people that could actually get our movie finished. Um, so that's just one example of what happens if you just maintain good relationships along the way. Um, so the other thing, and it's not one particular mentor, I think that actually gave this, gave this to me, but I think that, um, you have to really know why you're doing a pro as a, in in the independent world. I'm not talking in a business sense, you know, because that's, those, those are larger, you know, um, Lisa and Miles, um, kind of figure out what, what pictures that they want to make and so on, um, um, or produce. Um, but if you're an indie producer, indie director, indie indie writer, um, um, maybe I'm talking more to the producers. Um, you have to know why you're making the movie. No, even to the director, why are you writing that? Why are you writing that script? What Mm -hmm. are you trying to say? Um, what message are you trying to trying to send out there and it could be just joy of entertainment and that's fine too, but that's going to fuel you along the way when you're tired and you don't know how you're going to get another dollar to go and finish posts. You have to understand why you're making the television show or, or movie that you're making. Um, And sometimes, and be able to articulate it at least to yourself, you know, And at the end, and and at the end of the day, so this is kind of a combo is that there are so many people that touch your movie. So, so once, once you have the scripts and the director, you know, it is, it is a collaborative effort. It is not all a one person effort. Um, you know, you need a lot of people around, not a lot, but however, however big your, your, um, your set is, you need people around you. Um, that are going to s- have your visions, um, try to implement that. But so many people are also touching it, um, so you may not get the shot that you thought that you wanted, or the sound may be screwed up, or something. So at the end of the day, don't have an expectation that it's going to that that it's going to be a blockbuster theatrical release forever. It's kind of make, do the best, make the best movie that you can, and don't ex- don't expect. Um, box office success, you know, because you just don't know what what, I guess I, I'm not saying this right. You just don't know what kind of movie you're gonna end up with
0: at the right. end. Yes. Yes, yeah, does that, that make
1: sense? So it's so yeah. you know
0: it's that idea that the movie you write is different than the movie you shoot. The movie you shoot is different than the movie you edit.
1: Yes, and, Perfect. And, and, see you said <laughs> that so much better than I did. There you go. Maybe you were my mentor. maybe you're the one that I heard it from. <laughs>
0: it's it's all good Molly. that's no it's great advice and it's and it's a a really important thing to remember um we've been talking about mentors a little bit and i think somebody might listen to this and say okay so you know are we supposed to just accept the fact that that molly sort of fell Uh, face first sort of into this wonderful mentor. And, and so, and that happens a lot. Um, but I'm curious if you had to give someone advice, what's the best way to find a mentor? Is there anything that, that from your experience you can share, or do you have any ideas about this?
1: Well, I think, um, I mean, I did kind of fall into it. Um, but I think that you need to look at um, who you admire, mm-hmm. um, and um, you know, when you are in their sphere, you know, and if you're doing a job f- with them, um, you know, because it's mutual respect, you know, um, because she wouldn't have brought me along if I actually didn't do the work, you know, um, and so. I I would say that look at, look for the person that you admire and know why you admire them, not just because they have a hundred million at the box office or because they, um, are ahead of a studio, you know, you don't know, um, who could be that gem for you, you know, and have conversations and, um, and see if you can talk to, um, these people, whoever it is that you admire, you know, um, and, and know why you want them to mentor you, or to mentor you, you know, um, and see if they would be a good fit, you know? Yes. Um, but I don't know, I don't know exactly, you know, don't, you know, you can't go to mentors are us.com, you know? <laughs> and, and if you do say like a share, like a, um, a Sheryl Sandberg, you know, she's, she probably gets a thousand mentoring, mentoring emails a day, you know? So you don't have to you don't have to look at the head of anything for them to be a mentor, you know. And you're going to change mentors over the years. There, you know, you're going to learn. I mean, Don Carmody was like I was able to learn from him. You know, um, um, the heads of the companies I work for were were, were interesting, and there and and um, I learned from them. Learn from who's around you. Um, but they don't have to be the head. It could be the head of 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 one department that you think that oh, I really want to be in that department, or you know, uh, and and be and by the way, also be willing to do the work. You know. Um, yes. I, I don't know if that's helpful, but that's because I didn't have to do I didn't have to go so far on a search, but you know. But but I know I can tell you right now the fact that I want to actually um, d- direct um, the movie that I wrote I now I'm going to be searching for directing mentors, there you know. You go. Um, yeah. So so you know um, to see if I can go maybe shadow them or something. Um, and it's 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 asking. It's also asking.
0: Yes. Yeah, for for sure. Uh, you, you talked about finding people you admire. I'm curious who do you who do you admire uh, creatively, and uh, what do they do from a technical or skill standpoint that makes their work stand apart?
1: Well, I'm going to say the same. I'm going to say the same people that a lot of people say. You know, I, I love Quentin Tarantino. I think he's just an out of about out of the box original in the way he, he, um, he writes his scripts. Um, he doesn't shy away from anything. Um, I, I haven't experienced, um, being on set with him, but I hear his sets are amazing. Um, the way he runs them is, is, is amazing and respectful and fun. Um, and so I think that he's, he's just really interesting. Um, yeah I mean I that's 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 a boring one um I know I think <laughs> it's great I think it's because everybody everybody always says oh it's Quentin Tarantino because <laughs> he's an original and you know he's this not that but well, anytime um, you think
0: he's boring just go to Netflix now they just licensed or just got the license right licensing rights to uh Django Unchained which is one of the best one, movies of all time <laughs> and um wow. and if you think he's boring just turn that on and watch but but no it's not a boring answer at all is there someone else you had in mind as well
1: well, I mean, there there are. Oh, now you're gonna ask me to like, like bring out bring out names. You can edit this, right?
0: Yes, of course.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm like, I think I need editing, um, a lot of editing. Um, uh, the woman that did Zero Dark Thirty, she's yeah, the woman yeah, yeah. that that literally. Um, what's her name?
0: Sophia. Uh, um, it's the it's Sophia Coppola, Kath- right? Or Catherine Catherine no, no, no. Bigelow.
1: Catherine Bigelow. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um,
0: what was I thinking Yeah, about? no. Ka- yeah, Catherine, Catherine
1: Bigelow. Catherine Bigelow, because mm. she makes these um, very male centric um, uh, uh, stories. Even though she she had a female and and zero dark thirty, but um, she runs with the big boys, and I love that. I love, I love that, you know, um, that she's making war movies and she's telling, she's telling it from a different point of view because the way a woman is going to say, do some, um, tell the story is different than the way a man's going to tell a story. Um, but you know, I love it when I see, um, women, you know, pace to pace with what, you know, technically, Oh, men are better at telling this genre than women are. And she's, you know, so I love, I love her. um, there's so, there's so many others, but now I'm like, uh.
0: those those two are a great place to, to start. So, and by the way, uh, I don't think we've had too many Quentin mentions, frankly, out of 50 plus interviews. And I don't think we've ever had a Catherine Bigelow mention. And I would say half of the people we've interviewed have been women. So uh, those are two, two great choices. Um, I, I don't know what exposure that you currently have to newcomers or interns or people who are in a creative role or financial role, uh, business role um, for the first time. But I, but I am curious. I want to ask you the question, what are the biggest creative and business mistakes you see newcomers making?
1: Well, I made this mistake. Um, but and I wasn't a newcomer, so that tells you. I mean, it was sheer hubris on my part. Um, but <laughs> um, not having the script ready, trying to do trying to do a project with a subpar script, you're never gonna get. You very rarely are you ever gonna get a good movie with a bad script. Right. You know, sometimes you can. Um. But but your script has to be ready. And and just because the opportunity is there for you to go make the movie. Sometimes you actually have to say, "Mm, maybe I shouldn't make the movie until the script is better, you know, or, or, and and then again, that goes back to, then why are you making the movie? If you are, don't, if the script's not good and you know, it's not great, but you're going to go make it anyway because someone's going to give you money, you know? Right. Um, So I think that's the big, that's a big mistake. A big mistake too, and I think I had said it previously, is just because you're creative, you have to understand that this is actual a business. You make hundreds of millions and billions of dollars in this industry. And yes, most of it goes from the studios is from the studios, but, but you need to understand um, the business of this and the biggest biggest mistake that people make is they do not secure chain of title. They have this idea that they're going to have this conversation with this friend from, um, you know, that's, that's a roommate of somebody's and they they start going over story ideas and, um, you know, everything's fine. And, oh yeah, no, I don't want any part of it. Just go and have fun. But then money gets involved and mm-hmm. the movie's actually going to be made. Now, those people that you were dealing with um, who didn't want anything to do with your project now are saying, oh, wait a second, I should have a story by credit. I should have um, this or that. And if you're, and now I know that there's money involved. So if you don't have it, you're going to have to pay me. So the biggest thing is secure chain of title, whether it's also from newspaper articles or if it's people's lives or so on, because nobody will finance a movie if the chain of title is not secu- is, is not complete, which means you need to hire an attorney, and I know that attorneys are hard um, because they're expensive um, to hire. But there are certain documents that should have an attorney look at them.
0: Yeah, I if think if you are not an attorney, absolutely. And it's one of the first principles that uh, this this goes way back. I don't think I've even had this commentary in a few years. But but um, it's the amateur that that believes. Um, or the neophyte that believes that contracts are and lawyers are these terrible things and terrible people. It's quite the opposite. Um, Contracts—it's it, literally what keeps someone from coming to your door with a mallet to hit you over the head and take what's yours. <laughs> like it's—it's it's literally what what allows. Um, payment and transfer of payment to happen smoothly, uh, from person to person. It's, it's literally like what allows you to create something and call it your own and, and then sort of build a career and and pay your bills with it. So contracts are your friends, lawyers, uh, can be your friends. Of course, I know it's, 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 Terrible when you're on the other side of that sometimes. But you always have the opportunity to get your own lawyer so that you're fighting lawyer with lawyer. But but in general, the creation of contracts and agreements keeps our world spinning in a peaceful way. Um, yeah.
1: Uh, I absolutely agree. That's that's when I say knowing the business side of this. You don't have to know necessarily financing or any of that because people will come in and they'll do that for you or help you. Um, but that's what I mean by saying, no, know, know the business side, because there are certain things you're going to have to have. And if you don't have it, then you're just not going to, you're just not going to get the deal.
0: 100%. Um, if someone wanted to be the VP of international distribution in, in their future and work on the finance side, what would you say are the top three resources or tools they need to invest in to, to do that work. Uh, are there any books, applications, online programs, seminars, webinars, any resource you can think of that someone should invest in on their path to learning the business side of film Well, or operating within it?
1: There's, there's, um, you know, there's markets that happen. Um, uh, Around the world, but there is an uh, American film market, um, that happens in November. Um, now it's going to be difficult for, for, if you have a project for you to come in, cause that's, that's where all the sales companies, um, show the projects that they're working on and sell those projects to distributors. Um, which then is what's used then, if you're doing traditional financing to go and finance these movies, um, for the, for the future in the next year, year and a half. Um, so, but you can get day passes, um, and I would do it towards the end of the market, not the beginning of the market, but you can get day passes where you can actually just go and actually, um, talk to, uh, talk to, uh, to other people that are there. Um, you're not going to probably be able to get into, um, the big sales companies, but you may be able to get into some of the smaller sales companies that are looking for projects that are looking for streaming, that are looking, you know, for something that might be interesting. Um, you know, that's, I know a lot of people do that. Um, we, we are a company that, that won't take those type of meetings because, um, we don't take unsolicited prop projects. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're, and, and we're so busy, you know, with our own projects at that time because we're selling our own projects, but that is an actual marketplace where you're actually seeing movies being marketed to distributors internationally. Um, to sell. The other thing is, is that you can go in as, um, if you want to be an internet, no international is changing a lot because a lot of the windows are collapsing. So what that means is that traditional usually always goes out before, before, um, video VOD before pay TV, before free TV, but because of all these streaming sites, um, Netflix being the biggest, the biggest, um, um, Reason why a lot of this is happening, Netflix and Amazon, is that um, the windows are now collapsing. So, um, getting a theatrical movie is harder to do than it used than it was previously, um, because a lot of movies that could be shown um, in movie theaters can also be shown just as well on um, streaming sites if there's no like big flashes and bangs and everything else. Um, so that's why you're seeing kind of less movies going to the movie theaters and more just being, you know, released on Netflix day and date. Um, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that's happening in the international industry. Um, and, and we're just trying to, follow it and now now with covid-19 um, you know a lot of big movies that were going to go theatrical like Trolls is now you know um, w- is now available for in-home in viewing and, it, and that one probably would have been great in the movie theater
0: and it's still doing great which is I think that's right. the that's the tremor that's going through the industry is that Trolls didn't miss a beat
1: right Right, so I, I don't I don't know, but I mean theatrical is really important to international distributors, especially a traditional window. Mm-hmm. So because they need time to go and and, and market their movies, uh, the the movie in their in their territory, dub it, and everything else. So um, it's still an important component for the, for international, you know, no question for these windows. It. So, um, but there are a lot of sales company uh, companies out there. So if you want to work at one, you know, you can go in as I don't know if you're willing to go in as an assistant or you know as assistant in sales or any of that stuff. Um, there's there's jobs you know um, where you can start there if you want to start there. Now if that's not the case, I mean there's also a website called Simando, um that has. Um, we lo- spell that. C i n. A n d o.
0: Got it. Go ahead.
1: And and um, this is a place um, where you do have to pay for membership. I don't know how much it is, um, but it's not it's not a, a too, too much. But that shows all the international distributors. It shows all the distributors, and it shows sales companies and everything else. So it's it's basically the the whole international world.
0: Right. Got it. All yeah. right. So we've got AFM, Sinando, Any others, or is that is that are those two pretty good?
1: Um. Well. I'm just trying to think. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think those, if you want to just kind of dip your, you know, I mean, there's, there's seminars always going on. I mean, Winston Banker has a seminar. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you probably get the emails from them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so there's, I, and I know, you know, especially in Nashville, there's the thing that, um, how, how we met, you know, where there's oh. panels. Yep, Filmcom. Um, Filmcom. Oh, that's so bad that I didn't remember. I'm like, it's, it's, it, you know, where we met.
0: Right, right. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> um, there's that. There's always, there's always panels going on. You know, um, and and you know, I, I went to Robert McKee, Robert McKee's story class. Yeah, great, you know? legendary, um, uh, le- Legendary legendary you know um if you're in los angeles you know there's writer's boot camp um where that that's an eight-week course of uh, being able to you know hopefully get a full script um written within that you know when you have and you have a um a teacher but you know if you want to if you want to um, write scripts, you know, go to some of these legendary screenwriting, and he's still teaching. And um, Robert McKee is still teaching it. And I don't know how long he's going to continue doing that, but he is the master. It's a five, five, six day class. Um, it is a little, exp- a little, a little pricey. But if what you want to do is write scripts, learn, learn the um, the technique of it, and then you can break the rules. You know, you have to know the rules before you can break the rules.
0: Yeah, I love that, and and I've even heard of uh, book authors going to his class and you know, having great success uh, writing their books and being able to see their subject from a different angle just by sort of going through that class. So uh, that's wonderful. Uh, Molly, you have been uh, amazing, a wealth of knowledge and so generous with your time. I only have a few more questions. Are you still good? Yeah, I'm still good. Awesome. I, I wanted to go back to um, sort of the elephant in the room but I but I wanted to, to come around to it here at the end uh, of our conversation or toward the end of our conversation a little bit about your upbringing you, you are from Wisconsin um, and you grew up uh, and just to be you know clear so people understand uh, y- you grew up um, in Wisconsin adopted white parents um you yourself have an Asian background. Um, and so to say you had a unique upbringing is kind of an understatement. It's, it's actually very, um, um, close to my own heart because I'm a product of adoption as well. My father was adopted from Germany and, uh, I just wouldn't be here w- without it, and um, I also am, am a minority <laughs> <laughs> as well, and and sort of have that background, and and have a you know a white father, and and understanding the whole picture of what that means. So, I'm curious um, a, a couple of things. One, how did that upbringing affect? Uh, your approach to what you believe is a good story and, and the stories you want to put out in the world, going back to your why question you had earlier in the conversation. And then as a second part of, of that question, um, you're telling this story in a book you're writing now and in, and in your film, love Capri why tell this story now? And you can answer that in any order you want. Um,
1: okay. Um, so, I grew up um, in in Wisconsin, um, and it's not—at the time I grew up, it wasn't very diverse, Um, to the point where um, I was adopted and then my parents adopted another another little girl from Korea um, so that I would have a sister— I mean, of course, they wanted another child, but it was also so I was able to have a sister that actually looked like me. But they actually did um, a newspaper article on how unique our family was, mm-hmm. you know, two Korean, two, two Korean girls um, with, you know, with white parents and parents that also had three um, biological children that were um, older than us. And so I grew up with very much Midwest values, um, the, the, the foods and everything else. Um, you know, my, my comfort food is pot roast and mashed potatoes, you know, or meatloaf mm-hmm. and mashed potatoes. It's mm-hmm. not kimchi, it's not um, bulgogi or anything like that. But I wasn't that, and it, it's still no fault of my parents, but I wasn't very exposed to my culture. Um, so other than looking in a mirror, and seeing that I actually was Asian, um, I, I would I wouldn't have thought that, and my fam- my family d- didn't think that, and my friends didn't think that, so it never really came up. But I did lose I did lose part of my culture because I just didn't learn about it. So that then made me a little bit uncomfortable around other Asian people when I went to college or, and, and, you know, when I was up in Vancouver, um, shooting, um, 3000, Vancouver is full of Asian people and it was really disconcerting for me. Um, which is strange when I look at, I look like them. Right. So, Mm -hmm. so, so anyway, so, I never knew how affected I was by the fact that I was Asian and that I actually, I was raised in a cult in a, in a, in a, in a, family, um, that culturally didn't actually reflect the way I look not, you know, but I, I adore my, my parents who have now both since passed away. Um, they were ahead of their time cause they adopted before it was, it was, um, it was, um, cool to adopt, um, mm-hmm. foreign and, um, you know, they were, they are, they were very strongly um, with the faith with the Christian faith. And that was one of the reasons why they did adopt because they wanted to help orphans um, from, from a different country. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what, and I didn't realize how much this affected me until I actually started putting um, pen to paper or, you know, typing on a <laughs> on my, lap, on my laptop, mm-hmm. you know, and um, that the story that I thought I was writing, which was a romantic comedy, because it's, you know, we have a beautiful place to shoot in Capri and, you know, um, um, it's just going to be this nice lighthearted romantic comedy was, you know, I also knew that I had to have a, um, Asian lead. I, I and, and, and can
0: I, uh, can I interject here? Because I, I do want people to have this information. So, cause you've mentioned it twice. So the place Molly is talking about, it's called Villa Castiglione. It's in Capri, and it was built in 27 AD by Emperor Tiberius, and you just need to go online and uh, Google Capri or Google Villa, uh, V-I-L-L-A-C-A-S-T-I-G-L-I-O-N-E, and you will be treated to just an amazing... Uh, feast of, of photos and history. And it's, it's really, it, it, Molly is not overselling this. This is a beautiful place. So anyway, go ahead. You were saying there needs to be an Asian lead in Love Capri.
1: Right. So I, I just thought there needs to be an Asian lead. Um, but you know, I'm making my Asian lead because I think that we should see more Asians. Now, this year is the first time that I've seen Asians everywhere. And now, on Netflix, <laughs> there's this movie called called um, Love Wedding Repeat, which has Olivia Munn in it in in Rome. You know, um, with a with a with a British um, um, uh, love interest, which is kind of exactly what I have in my in in my script. Which is, uh, she, he's he's actually Italian. Um, but does business in, in, um, the UK, which I'm now thinking about changing around and just making him purely Italian. Um, anyway, but, but so it was important that I had an Asian lead because I wanted to reflect me, you know? Um, but, but for my story, I needed to make sure that she was actually only half Asian because she, I've got, I kind of, I kind of reflected certain parts of me where she, um, was adopted because her mother passed away when she was a baby. Um, but the Korean father left her and, um, and, and didn't have any more, any more to do with her other than the fact that she gets this letter in the mail and she finds out that her father actually left her something in the will. Um, and so she kind of runs off to Capri, um, to, to kind of, figure out what's going on because she never, she always rejected her Korean side because it was kind of her father rejected her. So she's going to reject her heritage, the part that she gets from him. So I just, I can't believe how timely it is because of all the movies that we are seeing where, where we do have Asian leads. And I also want it to be about her exploring, you know, and opening up her, her, um, her actual heritage and embracing embracing Oliver, because a lot of times when we're adopted, you know, we think that we're okay. I mean, and you, and this is not, this is not every adopted person, but it is for me. We think that we're okay and we're not affected at all. But Mm -hmm. I'm finding that, that when I'm doing, when I'm storytelling or when I'm writing something, that's a theme that comes up for me all the time. You know, um, the, the, I, I had to have, um, my Jewish boyfriend teach me how to, how to use chopsticks. I had to, I, I have, I now have Korean friends who are telling me, you know, oh, well, you know, you we should eat it this way. I never had Korean barbecue until I came out to Los Angeles. You know, it's all this stuff exploring my heritage right. um, and being open about it. And so this is the story that I'm telling amidst a beautiful, a beautiful place and a love story um, where, you know, as she's finding herself, because she's now be able to embrace all of her, um, all of herself, she's all now able then to be open to actually fall in love with somebody else. Because you know, you it's it, you, you can't find love if you don't actually know who you are if you don't love yourself first. You know, um, I mean that's that's my opinion. Somebody will have a different opinion. And I also think that love is a choice. You know, um, so I'm I'm exploring those themes in this. I'm call it a romantic comedy. It's probably a romantic comedy um, in this story because I just don't want it to be just a romantic comedy pratfall thing. It's really about exploring, you know, who you are, you know, your heritage, um, how important that is, um, and you know, and then you know, it's also then sharing it with with, with somebody that kind of that gets you, you know, um, and so that's and. I wrote this while the, while the villa is available, but, um, I like to think that I actually wrote it before this whole wave of Asian, Asian movies that are coming out, but okay, but it is, but it is actually, it is actually timely now. I was like, Oh, I thought I was going to be on the cusp of it. And now I'm kind of trying to like scramble to catch up.
0: We got to find we got to find a different group.
1: Yeah, seriously. (laughs) Asians
0: (laughs) are hot now. We need to move over to to something else. To to
1: to something else. Yeah. Yeah. We Um, got we got to figure
0: it out and just tell the same story through through that lens. I I am curious. And by the way, thank you so much for just opening up and and letting the audience know a little bit more about you. Um, I, I am curious. Has has your upbringing the discovery of your culture? later in life, has it created any advantages for you in your career or obstacles or both? If so, if so, what are they?
1: Um, no, it hasn't created any obstacles. Um, because I just think a hard worker is a hard worker. Um, Mm -hmm. but, but what it has done is it's, it, it has allowed me to really dive deep into, oh, well, this did affect me. The fact that I didn't I wasn't, I didn't really know a lot about Korea, you know, I didn't know a lot. And my parents did the best. I mean, they flew, this is before kimchi was readily available for, for everybody. Um, but you know, they did fly in kimchi from Hawaii for, for, um, for us, you know? Um, and it's interesting. It's interesting to see, um, how I embrace my culture, um, my ethnicity, not my culture, my, my ethnicity, because there's a difference there's ethnicity. And then there's culturally how we're raised. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, am grateful for both sides of it, you know? Um, and it's nice to be able to now really embrace, oh yes, I am also, I'm, I'm definitely Korean as well. You know, I, I do have something in common with, with, other Korean people, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. but I can also, you know, I go back home and to Wisconsin and I'm also the girl from Wisconsin. So if you ask me to, to describe myself, I'm a Midwest, I'm a Midwest gal, you know? Um, and so it hasn't been good or bad either way, but it's been something that's just been fulfilling for me.
0: Yeah. And I Personally. can, I can say firsthand that there's no one like you, uh, you're, <laughs> you're, you're, very unique. And I think that can only happen when you have an upbringing as, um, eclectic as, as yours was and, and, and how just, um, original and, 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 uh, once, you know, sort of f- singularly focused your life has been on, on being a creative of some type. So I think we're all the better for it. Um, Molly, this has been a blast. I knew it was going to be, um, and I, and I love that you took the time. Can you tell everybody where uh, they can find you on the internet?
1: Well, um, I will be honest with you. I'm not, um, super social media person savvy. I, I mean, that's an understatement, but I do have a Facebook page um, and, um, I also, am on Instagram. Um, there's probably 10 pictures there, <laughs> but if you want, but if you want to see me in Italy, there you go. <laughs>
0: what is the, what is your Instagram, uh, name or handle? And I'm, uh, and I'm assuming on Facebook, we just search for your name.
1: Yeah. Molly Nernhausen. Yeah. Molly Nernhausen. Um my instagram is the fact that i okay so it's Mm -hmm. m-a-l-e-e-n-e-r-e-n that's not even that's not even original is it i'm just like (laughs) okay i'll just do half my name (laughs) but guys believe me i am creative i just am not creative with um with (laughs) with handles or names or anything
0: no it's totally fine and 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 they can look at some of the films you've worked on uh at imdb where they can look you up there and then at the solution.net is that correct Yes. Or, or the solution entertainment.net. My, my apologies. Entertainment. Yep. Yeah. Solution entertainment.net. Uh, do you have any parting words advice for uh, this audience?
1: Um, I think that, I think that I would like to say that you can do anything that you want to do. Um, think outside the box. I, I, I'm at the place where sometimes I don't think outside the box enough. Um, And so this is a great time for indie filmmakers because um, we're going to get to the place where uh, many, many streaming sites need and are desperate for product um, because we've now had this um, lull of production. Um, And um, I think that you can have any dream that you want And I look at it this way, which is uh, how does an orphan on the streets of Korea end up in Hollywood, California, making movies? So I think that you can have any I think that you can have anything that you want. You're going to have to work for it. Um, But that's great because it's all the better for when you actually get that thing that you want, whether it's directing a movie, directing, uh, directing something, writing something, you know, producing something. Um, it's, it's, it takes a lot of work, but you know, if that's your dream, you can absolutely have it.
0: Molly, that's so powerful. Uh, Thank you so much for that. And uh, right now we're in full sequester mode, uh, but we're all coming out of it uh, shortly. And uh, I don't even have to say it, but you know that we're going to go have lunch or dinner or both together, maybe breakfast at the alcove again when I'm in LA again, um, for sure.
1: Perfect. Perfect. Thank you so much. And I hope, um, I hope what I gave you was interesting and you know, um, you could actually make something out of it <laughs> <laughs> with, 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 my st- with my starts and, um, e- uh, er, uh, and I talk fast. So I'm just uh, like, okay. <laughs>
0: that's a, that's a classic Molly humility. And, uh, no, this was powerful. It was great. And, um, uh, I can't wait to talk to you again in person. All right.
1: I can't wait to see you. <laughs> All right.
0: Talk soon. Okay.
1: Talk soon. Be Bye. good. Bye. Bye. Bye.
0: You've been listening to the Make It Podcast. To find more information about this week's topics, including links to relevant blog posts, projects, and indie creatives, please visit our website at www.banzai.film. If you haven't already, you can join our podcast community on Apple Podcasts or the podcast app of your choice by searching for make it bonsai creative and the show will pop right up you can follow us on instagram and twitter at underscore bonsai creative and facebook by searching for bonsai creative and of course if you're looking to take a big step towards your filmmaking success go to www.bonsai.film and click on book us to schedule a free discovery meeting and needs assessment you have everything to gain until next time be better Be creative, be engaged, and thank you for
1: listening.